All right, hello, everybody. I want you guys to turn to your neighbor and say, not just my story, but your story. All right. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we just thank you so much, Lord God, for today. And um, I just thank you, God, that this is not just a testimony. It's not just a story, but it's your word, God, that has been on your heart, Father God, from the beginning. So I thank you, Lord God, for every single student and person that has come here, whether it's their first time or whether they've been here all semester, God, because they're supposed to be here tonight. So, God, I just thank you, Lord God, that eyes are open, that ears are open, God, that even hearts are open, Lord. And so, God, I thank you, Lord God, that this is not just a story. Thank you, Lord God, that we serve the same God that I'm about to preach about today. So we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to share my testimony. But uh, something that really, that God was really pressing on my heart was the fact that it's not, it's really not just a story. And I don't want you to take it as like, oh, this is like storytelling time, like show and tell, like things like that. But really, like what God has done in my life that I'm about to share, he can do for you. And that's the truth. Okay. Like it doesn't matter what you think. Cause it's honestly the truth. And so, um, yeah, I want to just go ahead and just start off. Um, I think it was like a year ago when, uh, one of my friends, uh, one of my friends, he was, he asked me like randomly and he was like, um, like, Eunice, like, what's your testimony? Like, I want to hear it. And I was like, I don't really have a testimony. I don't really know. Like, yeah, what, I don't really have anything. Like I grew up very, very, uh, closed-minded, sheltered in, like, a country town in Richmond, Virginia. Like, I I never did those things that I thought a testimony was supposed to look like. So I never, like, smoked. I never, like, drank. I never did this and this and this. And, like, you know, I never really had those kind of things. So when I started talking about my life, I realized the main thing that God was highlighting was on relationships with, go- with guys. I was going to say with God. <laughs> with guys. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely with guys. And I think something that God really... Um, yeah, because it was, like, the word that was coming out of my mouth the most, like, something with guys. And then I was dating here, like, dating there, like, things like that. And so I'm really here to tell you that um, I've struggled a lot uh, with putting my worth and my identity in the relationships and the people that I was dating. And, um, yeah, I'm here to tell you that God set me free from that. And I'm here to tell you that there's a lot more than just that. So, um, yeah, so basically, like, all my life, um, I think up until, like, maybe I was 12, like, I didn't think – I actually – didn't really uh, look at guys like they were guys. Like, I thought guys were like sisters to me. Um, I was so sheltered. And honestly, at that point, I was really innocent that um, every time I saw someone, like, I just didn't, like, I just treated them like any other human being. And so I know, like, for some of you guys, especially the girls, like, or even guys, like, you know, when you meet someone and you're kind of, like, attracted to them and, like, you do intentionally act a certain way, maybe you drop an information that you, you want them to get to know in passing, like, things like that. And so I didn't have any perception, like, any intention to do things like that. And so whenever I would talk about guys, I would, um, yeah, or even see guys. I had a lot of guy friends. Um, and where I grew up, I had no girlfriends in church. I had all guys in my youth groups. So they were like little pesky brothers to me until one retreat. I was always at a retreat. Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was like in seventh grade. Um, it was like my first retreat, but, um, yeah, like that retreat, uh, yeah, I was like in seventh grade. And then like, so my guy friends, my three, uh, guy friends I served with like in the youth group and, um, yeah, they all of a sudden, two of them tell me that they like me at the retreat. Plus... A guy that I met from Southern Virginia tells me he likes me. And then, like, another guy from Maryland told me that he likes me. <laughs> so <laughs> I went from, uh, I went from like, guys to guys. And I was like, I don't even, like, I don't know. It was just, and I hated telling the story, honestly, because 
I, I, I honestly, it sounded like I was bragging. So I actually never told this story. I never shared about my experience with guys, which I think honestly, in hindsight, the Saint, Satan really shut me up and made me sound like, hey, you're not being humble if you, like, you know, if you share these kind of things. And um, yeah, they all started telling me that. So I, out of all the, the guys that, that told me that they liked me, um, I ended up dating uh, one from Southern Virginia who I met at the first day of the retreat. He asked me out. The last day of the retreat, I said yes. And so, and that lasted for like two months of just emails and I broke up with them on email. It was like one of those things. I know, it's just pretty bad. Um, yeah, so that's like what happened. But then ever since then, like, it wasn't just that guy that I met. It was the guy from Maryland that I met. And, um, he went to this church who actually my uncle went to, and, um, he had a whole bunch of guy friends. Okay. So he had a whole bunch of guy friends and, um, he would just tell me like things like, you know, it's like, I love you. And like, da, da, da. and I was like in eighth grade and honestly it scared me and like scared the heck out of me. And I didn't know what love even meant. But, um, I, I went to visit him like in Maryland cause I'm actually from Maryland. And so when I went there, it was very familiar and, and okay. And I got to know his other guy friends. And then uh, I kid you not, I think in a span of two years, I was friends or dating or best friends with every single one of them in that youth group to the point where all the elders and like my uncle and aunt were hearing this, they were high deacons and they were hearing all these things like, um, like this girl from Virginia named Eunice. And like, they knew that it was me and I got so rebuked because, um, out of all the things, like out of all the church it had to be that church that they were part of and so yeah I just kind of like you know and these were like flings or these were like relationships where it's like oh we're not dating we're just friends or um I don't know it's like back then aim aim or whatever that was really really big and so my brother sister and I would fight on our little big huge computer on like who uh, gets to like you know chat and stuff and honestly like all my time like until 4 a.m would just be chatting with like these guys like my guy friends and so yeah it was pretty it was pretty rough but um I think that honestly, it led to like my eyes being opened about guys. And um, during those times when I was dating these guys, they would say things about me, like relentless. Like it was just, they would, they would say things that like they shouldn't have said. And they would even comment to the point where um, like make fun of my weight. They would make fun of how I looked. They would tell me to look a certain way. Uh, they would tell me to act a certain way. And I would spend a lot of time in Maryland. So these guys, honestly, they would say all these things and they would, they put all these expectations on me. And so, um, yeah, it just, I didn't notice until later, but it just really took a toll on me. Like a lot of like what they were saying, but during that time, because, uh, they all kind of like made fun of me and like, they did it in a very, um, backdoor kind of way. It's like, Oh, Eunice, like you're so dumb, <laughs> but you're so cute when you're dumb. And so I acted like I was dumb, like the entire like eighth grade, just because they said it, like they tied it in a kind of way where they, they found that I was cute. And like, I found all my worth in what they were saying about me. Like, um, you're naive. Like you don't know anything. Um, they would step all over me and then they would, they would say that it's because they loved me or they liked me. And then so eventually that kind of became a part of my personality. And then I want to start acting and saying all these things. So yeah, that kind of led on to like, yeah, middle school and then high school I was dating. And then, um, college came around and college, I actually met this guy. Um, it's funny cause Sarah grew up with me and she went to all four years of college with me. So she knows this guy really well. Uh, but yeah, I actually ended up meeting out a missions trip. And of course it's always at a missions trip too. And so... <laughs> It was pretty bad. There was just all these like connections and stuff. And, um, everything that I wanted in a guy back then, like that I had like little Santa's Christmas list, like he met, he met every single thing. And so, um, 
I was really blown away by that. And uh, so it was in Mexico, and then, like, we got to know each other, like, more than the Holy Spirit. It was just, like, me and him, and then chatting. And then after the after I left, like, um, he lives in Northern Virginia, two hours away. And then so we just started becoming really good friends. And this was, like, my sophomore year. We became really good friends. And then he ended up transferring to my school. He actually was in another school. Transferring to my school. And then we just started this huge, like, best friendship slash we were praying about dating. And then, uh, like, it didn't – basically, we were acting like we were dating during the prayer. And then so when we broke it off, it was more than just breaking it off. Like, it was – it honestly felt like a breakup to me. And um, so he kind of, like – I think it was both parts, and then it was him that just called it off. It was him, like, in, like, 2007, where he was, like, uh, let's just uh, end this. Like, you know, like, I just – it was, like, out of the blue. And so I was really, like, left uh, – I don't know. I've just never felt that heartbroken in my entire life. And I think um, that was during my emo stage when I listened to all the Korean drama, like, songs and, like, the OSTs. And, like, even, like, I knew all the – that's honestly how my Korean reading got better because I'd read all the, the kazas, like, all the lyrics. And, like, you know, like, tangshin and, like, something, like, sarang and, like, whatever. And, like, it was just, like – I knew all this vocabulary, too, just because of that. And, like, um, really, like, I was so emotional. And um, – a lot of it came from that. Um, but it wasn't until, so it was like junior year after the breakup, uh, like we started this huge, like best guy friendship, um, that was up and down, like for three years, I think people were like, Oh, like Eunice and this guy, Eunice and this guy. And like, they would know that we're best friends, but we're more than that. And so 2011, 2008 comes around and pastor John Michael, who's actually the, one of the head pastors here, he's actually an alumni from my school. He would come back sometimes and speak at all the colleges that, um, there's like, we're all under one head ministry. And so he would take turns speaking at everyone's uh, ministries. So he came to CCF where, um, me and Sarah came from and, uh, yeah, he just started talking about his orphanage ministry. And then at the very end, he extended an invitation. And back then I didn't really hear God's voice that well, but for some reason my, my heart jumped at the opportunity. And then, so I was just like, okay, like, you know, I don't know like if this is right or not. And this is a time with me and this guy uh we weren't really talking I, I decided to end it because i was so like heartbroken i was like i can't take this anymore and then um yeah he i approached him and i was like i'm really interested in doing this orphanage ministry work and so um he kind of uh, me and my sister both go together actually and then so we both kind of get trained a little bit john michael goes back to korea and then that summer of 2008 i actually end up coming here uh for the first time i think since i was like six in sixth grade and so um yeah, everything in the orphanage ministry, like, it was really good. Like, everything. That was a whole other story. Like, seeing New Philly was a whole other story. Like, uh, that's the church that uh, Emmaus is under. And so that was the first time I actually encountered, like, God in a, like, totally different way. And um, just, yeah, like, it was just amazing. And so, uh, but then they do this thing that's still going on now called Healing and Deliverance. It's this ministry um, where you basically, like, you do confess, you, you confess your sins, like, the deepest ones, things you never said. You renounce them, like, and then you just, you get healed from them and so i remember approaching pastor christian um during i think one of the services and i was like i'm really interested in doing that me and my sister and so like all this time passes and like literally like the day i'm supposed to like the the, the sunday before i'm supposed to leave korea i approached pastor christian i'm like hey pc like i um i asked and signed up for this but i i totally understand if like you're not able to do this and um you know my sister and i would just go home like no worries and he's like okay 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 but he's like wait hold on no, 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 no. We'll, we'll schedule one for you. Like, we'll do it, I think, August 12th. I still remember. And it's the day before I was going to leave. And so I go to Pastor Christian's house. And at that time, Pastor Aaron was actually there. It was a bomb, like, healing and deliverance team. Like, if you're going to confess your sins, like, it's, like, one of the, 
Like, I didn't, like, these people are just, like, they're all high up in the church. But back then, like, that was the prayer team. And that was, like, Pastor Christian leading all the ministry, the, the healing deliverance sessions himself. And so, like, everything, like, I didn't really have that much to say. But something that wasn't on the, um, like, a questionnaire that they gave us was uh, my relationship with this guy. And so he told me that what I'm suffering from for, like, the past three years is actually called a soul tie. And so if you don't know what a soul tie is, it's when you are spiritually, emotionally, physically, like everything connected to somebody outside of the covenant of marriage. And so that's how I felt. And that's why it made sense because when he decided to break it off with me, I just like, I felt like a part of me was like gone, like literally. And so like, he made me repeat after him, like verbatim, like a prayer, um, yeah, that was, like, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I didn't feel it. Like, I had to fight a lot of, like, no, but I still like this guy. And um, But he made me repeat after him, like, verbatim, like, I, have, I will have nothing to do with this. Like, you know, blah, 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 confess all my sins and all these things. And then so after that, like, that two-hour session of, like, crying and praying, like, it really felt like surgery. Like, I didn't know how to feel. And um, I was leaving for, Korea, uh, for America the next day. And I just remember feeling like I just, yeah, I don't, it's kind of like, plastic surgery like you know when people get stuff done like it looks like a mess like right when you get it done but as time passes like you know your skin heals and just, you start to see what you look like but like i think uh with this i couldn't see the difference and i know it's a terrible example don't get plastic surgery <laughs> i actually thought about that i was like there's only one thing that comes to mind um but yeah don't do it but uh but basically, uh, yeah, I didn't realize it until maybe two months after when this guy, that same guy called me up and he was like, let's talk, let's try to work things out in our friendship. And I literally looked him in the face and I didn't feel any pain, like any sorrow at all. And this is the feeling that I was trying to feel for like forever. Like, I think, I don't know if you guys can relate with me, but if you really liked somebody beyond what you thought you could ever like, you know, feel like, you know, just feeling so much like for me, I really questioned back then if it was love and I actually like, yeah, I feel like I did love him, but like just seeing him, like just reminded me of all the flashbacks and all the things and the reasons why he hurt me. But, um, yeah, but when I looked at him in the face, like it was the kind of freedom that I was wanting forever. Like it was the kind of freedom that I knew existed and that I saw in other people. Like when I saw my friends break up with their boyfriends and, um, saw how radically like they're able to just like, kind of like forget about them right away. I admired that because what took two weeks for them was taking two years for me. And so I was just like, I don't know, like when I looked at him like seriously I remember thinking wow I remember walking out of that conversation and um, I wasn't even excited about the fact that we were going to talk as friends again but it was the fact that I was able to look at him as a free person again and like it was really in the past there are opportunities that God gave me to um, be set free I remember he would constantly give me visions of uh, me in a prison cell and like him literally opening the door and he cut off my shackles but I wasn't leaving and I, I literally held on to the chains it was almost like I was so used to it I was so used to the weight I was so used to that this is how I'm supposed to be and this is how I'm supposed to feel so when he like he was like you're set free like there are many times when like jesus would just open the cell door and be like hey like you can walk out but then i was like no 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 i just okay but then i was i was literally holding on to the chains that he broke off as if like they were always that you know they were on me and so um it was like i can't even explain to you honestly the only way you probably experience it is really with the encounter of god but um i just felt so free and it was something that i've been wanting for for a while okay so that was like my senior year and then i remember i love new philly and i love the church i love what god was doing korea so much that i was like i'm not gonna apply for grad schools i was an education major back then but i'm gonna definitely come back after a year 
So I said that, and then my senior year rolls along, and then uh, I give up, like, I, my whole term ends as serving as an officer for my fellowship. And then literally that spring semester of my um, senior year, Sarah was with me. <laughs> She's, like, laughing. Um, we took a break from our fellowship, and uh, we went crazy. Like, we just kind of, like, yeah, like, we just, like, it wasn't, like, um, like you know, I didn't, uh, like, Again, I didn't smoke or, like, do things like that. I actually never drank. I took care of drunk people. I was really good at taking drunk people and, like, things like that. But it wasn't that. But it was the atmosphere that I was in. It was the lack of accountability. It was just, like, the worst possible settings. Every single weekend, Sarah and I were never there. And uh, we were just going off, like, beach houses and, like, this and that and all these things. And, um, yeah, I felt so much, like, spiritually. That was probably the lowest point. And I remember during that time, uh, there was a guy that I was serving in the same ministry with. And he was, like, my like really good friend all these years and our eyes just flipped. I remember we were like Disney world during our Florida trip and I was waiting in line looking at him and I was like, Hey, like, you know, like how long is this line going to be? And then I realized that like, I looked at him in a whole nother, like he wasn't a brother in Christ. I was like, we're in Disney world. Like we don't even know. So that was spring break of 2009. That was my senior year. And that was when uh, we ended up dating, by the way. So we graduated. He ended up working, like, right near my, uh, five minutes away from my house. Like, there's no way that would ever be possible. And um, literally, with no accountability, and me still contemplating going to Korea or not, I was just like, okay, like, I don't really, you know, it was bad. We had no accountability, and uh, we felt a lot physically, actually. And so everything that I realized back then, um, every uh, word of affirmation, like, any feeling of worth that I wanted to feel from him directly, I would make it up physically. So if we were like physically falling or getting into it, I was like, oh, he loves me. He likes me a lot. But then like when he wouldn't, so when he wouldn't say all those things, they became insecurities and then I would make up for like physical things, you know, and then I would just be like, okay, like, you know, he still likes me because the way he's responding to me, like in any way, especially physically. So we felt a lot physically. I remember I grieved my brother and sister, like just like they all knew, my whole family knew that I wasn't in a good place. And then I was praying at that time and I was like really distraught because uh, I didn't know what to do with my life. After graduating, like people got jobs, like everyone was in Northern Virginia, like two hours away. I was in Southern Virginia, like by myself, and um, I had no, like, no one to turn to, and I felt a deep sense of hopelessness. And I remember crying out to God, um, and I was like, God, if you want me to go to Korea, make it crystal clear to me. If you want me to stay here, make that crystal clear to me. And I remember praying that throughout the summer, and then every job that I would uh, try to apply to um, in America would close. Not even kidding, even the waitressing, tabling jobs, everything, except for one job, which was babysitting for a Christian family. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, surprise, surprise. And so I actually got really blessed, by the way, by that. But, um, yeah, and then so in July, I remember it was one night I was sleeping, and then I asked God in my dream, and I'm like, God, am I supposed to go abroad, meaning Korea? And then he says, yes, like so loudly. I saw the words yes, and I heard the voice yes, that it woke up. I remember waking up, I was like, and I was like, oh, man. And like, so it was like the answer that I've been waiting for, like all summer, but I didn't want to go because I was so comfortable with like my friends, my family, my boyfriend at the time. And like, I just didn't, like, do you ever get that? Like God finally gives you the answer that you've been waiting for, but it's like, um, mm, tell me later, God, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's like, isn't it so ironic? You have been crying out for certain things in your life, and the moment God gives it to you, just because it's not on your own accord and your own timing, it's like, God, this, this can't be God. 
So I actually, I doubted his word. But then when I started applying for Korea jobs, every door opened up. And Hagwons, like academy, it's like opened up. Finally, I got hired. I knew I was leaving in December of 2009. And um, yeah, it was one of those things where my boyfriend and I didn't talk about it. You know, and I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but when you know there are future plans that don't match and you just kind of don't talk about it, you're just like, okay, well, yeah, December is coming. And then, uh, like, literally up until, like, the week I was going to leave, we finally talked about what we are going to do. We, ta- we decided to stay together. And so I remember leaving at the airport. He drove me to the airport, and it was so dramatic. Like, I was, I was like, so stupid now that I think about it. Like, um, literally, like, leaving... I didn't know when I was coming back, but I knew it was a year. And then I remember leaving and like saying bye and then going down the escalator. And I was just like, literally, it was just like, and his, he's just going higher. I'm just going lower. And I remember turning around feeling like crap. And I was just like crying because I was just like, oh, like, you know, it's just so, this sucks. I didn't want to go. That was the biggest thing. Like, I didn't want to go to a land that I had nothing to do with, that I didn't really know what was going on. But God told me to go. That's like the first time where I ever felt like Moses. Seriously, like going to, like, you know, seriously, like he didn't know, uh, but God showed up to him in a burning bush. And then, you know, it's like a voice you cannot ignore when God calls you to something. And so uh, I just remember I had to go. So I went, I came back after a year, like almost two years. And um, I remember envisioning myself coming back to New Philly, New Philadelphia Church. And like, you know, imagining myself like embracing everybody and like giving everyone hugs. Like, hey, I'm back. But then that wasn't really it. Because I was in such a bad place that um, I, I walked in so much shame and insecurity that I just couldn't even look people in the eyes. And, uh, like, people who I was really happy to see, even Pastor Aaron and people like that, it's just, like, I didn't, yeah, I couldn't even express the excitement. And when I saw people worship in services, I remember looking around, and um, I would be like, man, these people are so free. I will never be like that, so I'm not even going to try to get back to God. And I remember, but... I wanted to leave the church so badly. I just kind of wanted to go and wallow in my own, like, small apartment. But then I realized that every single time I wanted to leave uh, his presence, he, not even kidding, every sermon that I heard in that house, in that church, um, it pertained to something I was directly going through that week. And so every altar call, I was up there. It was so embarrassing. It was to the point where I was like, God, I know you know what I'm going through. But please don't let it, don't make me go up. Don't make, please don't make me go up. Every single time. I remember the first time it was uh, Pastor Anita, and um, she was gripped with fear and anxiety. I knew that was me. Like, I couldn't ignore it. And then, so I went up there for fear and anxiety. And the other times, like, it was, like, other things. And, like, it was every single time I went up there because I was so broken. And I was in such a terrible place that I didn't really um, – I couldn't, yeah, I just don't really remember, like, who I was. And, like, it was in a house, in a church where I, like, really met God for the first time. But going back the second time, I was in, like, a totally lower state that I never intended to be in. And so I remember um, my boyfriend and I were still dating. But then the Friday Fire prayer meetings that we would have every Friday, um, God randomly gave me a vision. Like, I never get visions. But, um and gave me a vision of me and him holding hands under the water and uh, me drawing deeper. And eventually we had to let go of hands. Very simple, right? And so I remember uh, getting that vision. And I was like, I feel like we need to break up. So we break up over Skype. And, but then the moment we break up, um, I remember God telling me, uh, this is when I first started hearing his voice, like, I'm going to honor you for doing this for me. And uh, I'm going to give you the grace, supernatural grace, to not mourn over this breakup as you would usually do in your past relationships because of what you're doing for me. And um, I'm not, I kid you not, guys, if I had never decided to break up with my boyfriend at the time, if I had to, you know, if I decided to follow my own voice in my flesh, I would never be up here sharing this testimony with you guys. And so just like, I remember breaking it up with them and then... 
I remember looking at my heart and trying to give back to God and I had nothing, like absolutely nothing. And I was so disgusted by that. And I remember I promised myself that night in January, this is like two years ago. And I was like, I am never dating someone until like for a year, I'm going to consecrate my whole heart, uh, until I get back with God. And it was kind of like being sober. Like I've never been alcoholic, but that's how hard it was for me uh, to be sober in my mind. Like to, and I'm talking about not dating someone, but even to consecrate my mind, like, if I'm not dating somebody, I'm always thinking about somebody. And if I'm not thinking about somebody, I'm always imagining that somebody I want to be with exists, you know? And it's just like one of those things. And, um, I remember my mind, it was the hardest to fight off rather than me physically going up to a guy and saying, Hey, let's start something like really it's, it was like a dangerous place. And I didn't realize how much of my identity, my worth was all based on performance. And, um, so I, I say that to God and then God takes me on this huge restoration process, this period with him. And then, so I could end this right here and be like, okay, yeah, I finally knew the answer was God. And then God restored me. Yay. And like, you know, I could really end there, but God totally took me on a whole nother, like crazy period of just like tearing off false identities, false worth. Like he was confronting issues of my personality of how I am as a person and telling me that that's not actually who you are. And it was one of the most vulnerable, embarrassing things, like knowing that me of who I was, me, the, the girl that everyone thought was so cute because I was naive, um, all the girls and even the guys liked or whatever in college, like that's not who I am. And I literally to the point, like I didn't know who I was. And um, I remember during that time, it was like all, I think a year and a half ago, even up until last year, late last year, um, the song in from the inside out by Hillsong, there's one line that says the art of losing myself and giving you praise. And it was literally, I remember saying this in my prayer time. I was like, God, I have no idea who I am. Like, I don't know who I am anymore because you've taken all these things off of me. And, um, it's, I think tearing off false identities is one thing, but graduating from old mindsets and unlearning things that you've already learned too much of is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to go through. And um, the only thing that comes to mind is something that I've had experience with, but it's kind of like when you um, are like, okay, so your boundaries, like if you're dating somebody and like, you know, you always say, oh, we're going to hold hands, we're only going to hold hands. And then you, holding hands turns into kissing, turns into other things, right? Once you go past the area that you set your boundary, it's like honestly too late. But then when you make that covenant again to just only go back to holding hands, it's like, the hardest thing to just hold hands. You know what I mean? And it's like even cheating in college or like in high school. I remember when I like had a terrible habit of cheating. I remember I would be like, I'm never going to look at that person's paper. One glance and it's game over. I was the <laughs> expert and my pupils moving that way and my head being like this. Like it was just game over because once I looked, I couldn't stop looking. And that's like, honestly, like how it was. And so I remember like God was telling me, you need to go back to the basics. You need to know what it's like to just look at a brother as a brother in Christ. You need to know what it's like to be the person that you are without people telling you who you are. And, you know, and like, the, so I thought like, you know, I thought the story, you know, I thought it was the end and I thought that God uh, had totally written it all up. And I was like celebrating um, a victory that wasn't even a victory. It was just part of the journey, you know, and I just thought it was over. And uh, what really frustrated me was that it wasn't over yet. And I remember like God was just saying, I'm going to take you through this time. And he was putting his finger in like areas of my life that I didn't want to confront. And I'm talking even not just my worth in relationships with guys, but my worth in relationship with people, like with your family, like with your friends, with your best friends, whatever it is. And I remember, um, 
I was sitting in service last year, early last year in service in New Philly. And I remember I was just sitting down getting ready for worship. And then God tells me so clearly, he was like, your people are your God. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? I had no idea what he's talking about. I thought I was doing the right thing and things like that. But he's like, no, no. Because everything that you do and everything that you say, it's always to please other people. And it's always to show yourself better to other people. And so everything that you are right now, like, you know, you thought everything is in the bag and, you, you know, you're all healed. But it's, it's not it. Like, those are actually still false. Those are name tags that you need to rip off. And so that was one of the, that was honestly the second hardest thing that I had to do. Not just deal with my situation with guys, but to deal with my situation with people. Like, knowing that I was the biggest people pleaser, that I was someone that was not confrontational. Like, just because I wanted to make a better name for myself. And um, just realizing that everything I did to be really vulnerable, um, was really for someone else. And it was really for someone else other than God. And, but it was still in godly settings. So even like the way that I may have led prayer last year, or even the way that I was as maybe a familiar leader or just things like that, it was always, uh, to make myself look cool or to make myself look like a different person, um, in the presence of God, you know, it was just really, it was in the situations of where there was church in Emmaus, but I realized that God wasn't the God that was in his highest place in my life. It was really that other people were serving as gods in my life. And God was really confronting that. He was saying, um, you don't really care what I think. You care more about what the person next to you thinks than what I say. And so God may say, like, you're a leader and you're authoritative, but I'll totally forget about that. If someone came up to me like, hey, like, uh, you really messed up, by the way, when you said this to me. Or like, you know, or Eunice, like, I didn't know, like, um, you don't have to be all embarrassed about that. Things like that. Like, that was the biggest voice that was ringing in my ear. And then... Um, so it was a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, a lot of inadequacy that I had to fight off of. And guys, when your worth is robbed and when Satan takes your worth away, like the biggest thing that you'll struggle with is inadequacy. Like I'm never good enough. I, I always have to do things better to like better my worth. And that was really like my story. Like even after I came here to Korea, to be really honest, there are many times where I felt like my worth was always in people. It was never in God. It was never what God said. And, um, he was really confronting that. You know, God is a jealous God. He cares what other voices are in your head besides his. He cares even more when you don't even hear his voice. And he's been, like, talking to you the entire time. And so there are so many things that he was saying. And so I remember um, insecurity was something that came with me. Like, even after I got healed and delivered, um, inadequacy were things that I was carrying. And um, I was very timid, too, back then. I was still, you know, timid even last year. And I remember um, during one prayer meeting, is a joint prayer meeting that we have every once a month, um, the pastor at the time was saying, um, there are deeper issues that you guys need to confront. There are deeper, um, there are healings that you guys have went through, but there are deeper um, issues of healing that God wants to go through. And so God wants to uproot things um, that you thought you just chopped off. You know, and they're just like weeds in my life. And just because you top them off, like, doesn't mean that they're uprooted. You know, they can always grow back. And so there were things that he wanted to just completely uproot. And so I was asking God, I was like, what do I need healing on? What more could I possibly need healing on? And I remember um, he was, so I was praying and I was like, okay, God, what, what do I need to work on? And uh, the first thing he said was Maryland guy face. And I remember um, I was so blown away by that because I was like, really, that's it? Like that? what happened seven years ago or like, you know, whatever, some years ago, that's the reason why I'm like this today. And, um, he was like, yeah, that was it. And immediately he gave me a vision, a very clear vision, like that. I was wet concrete, a wet pavement. And, um, that was during my stage when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And then he was, 
uh, I was basically in that, that state when I was just getting to know God and I was just getting to know who I was and, um, I was wet. I was very vulnerable. Anything could stick on me. And then that time when I was dating all those people and being best friends with all those guys, um, they're sticking like all this trash and all these things that were, um, onto my wet cement onto what I was. And so what I needed rather than waiting for me to dry up and really mold into what God wanted me to be, I started molding it. everything that came with it, started molding into who I was. And so everything that I was, everything that I did and who I was, um, it was all a part of me. And so really when he tore the false identities off, it really hurt. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys ever had a band-aid that you've kept on for like days and you forgot about. And then finally when you rip it off, like it hurts, like you feel your skin coming off with it. That's what it felt like. It's just like, I felt very violated and I felt like God was putting open heart surgery in me and like stinging his finger in my heart and just things where I thought I had things taken care of. And, um, yeah, he really told me like that time of your life was so pinnacle, but Satan robbed so much of your worth during that time because whatever Satan can't get when you're getting older, like he will rob from you from the beginning. And so like your innocence and like who you are at your character that's being developed, Satan will try to take that off, like take that off of you because he knows when you grow to be who you're potentially, who you're made to be, who you're supposed to be, who God really like is you know molding you into he knows he he stands no chance against that so satan's really cheap about that like he'll play the game not in the right way and so that was something that god was really just like uh, you know and i remember there's so many times when i wanted to give up but really i think the verse that came into my mind was um, from galatians 6 9 and it was uh, let us not grow weary and doing a good work for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And that was like the biggest thing. I think, um, yeah, not giving up. I think not giving up was something. And um, these things that I'm saying to you, you guys tonight, um, they might seem like the most simplest words that you've always heard like in the past from friends, from sermons, from yourself. But it's really that, you know, sometimes the truth is so simple that we just think it's so complicated because it's like, it can't be this. You know, but it is that. And like what God was saying to me, like, you know, don't give up. And what God was saying, like, you're really this. Like, you're really this kind of person. I couldn't take it because it was so simple. Like, I was like, that's it. Like, I'm really, like, full of worth. Like, you know, I'm bold. I'm, I'm not, I'm beautiful the way that you made me. Like, all these things, like, I could not take it. So for the longest time when people would give me compliments about the way I looked, about the way I was, and uh, about who I was, I could not take it. I couldn't stand what they were saying because I couldn't meet eye to eye with what they were talking about. It felt so awkward. And um, I remember Pastor Aaron gave this sermon um, a year ago about us judo blocking, comp judo blocking compliments. And it's kind of like, you know, like, you're so pretty. It's like, no, I'm not. You know, like, you know, there are people like that. It's like, oh, you're so good at this. Like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm so bad. And you always immediately say the opposite of like what you know, you, you, what they say to you. But how many times have we said the opposite of what God says about us? You know, how many times were there, were there times, like instances where God would say things about us and then we'd be like, no, 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 that's not who we are, you know? And so if you think about it, if you really want to, like, you know, think about all the things that you feel that are negative, that are not in alignment with God's word, it's always going to be the opposite. That's what God's going to think of you as. And so Really, God is the God of opposites. That's something that God really spoke to me on. He's really the God of just antonyms. He's really uh, the God that everything that you say, that's your greatest weakness. It really is your greatest strength. And so, I don't know, it's just been amazing. Like, I think um, even being in that time, even being in that period of wilderness of just uh, God really just 
it was like trying moments and it was honestly really exhausting to go through like, like episodes after episodes with God. Um, the biggest things that I couldn't stop holding on to was really like his faithfulness and his goodness. And I remember repeatedly saying to myself out loud, God, you know what you're doing. Like, you know what you're doing. And like, even though I have no idea what's going on, even though I have no, no perception of how this is supposed to look like, like, you know what you're doing. And um, I remember like praise was something that I really learned to adapt into my life, uh, especially when it came to the hardest times and uh, really praising him above every circumstance. You know, Sarah's string popped, right, during worship, but she was like, we're just going to keep praising you. Like, literally, that act of worship is really a step of faith of, like, what God wants you to do. And, like, that's all I could do. Like, Psalm 34, 1 says, um, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. And that's something that I felt like Satan was trying to rob from me. But I really had to thank God. And a lot of what I teach the prayer team is thanking God in advance. And so praying and thanking him as if it's already in your hands. And so, like, even, like, with the large group room, like, I told them, pray as if we already have it and just celebrate. Don't spend time being like, God, it sucks. Like, it's so bad. We only have two weeks. But being like, God, like, this is, it's going to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for May and June. Thank you, God, that we have a place. And, like, there are a lot of things, like, that I had to really jump, like, ahead and really look in the eyes of faith. Because there was no way in my possible mind that I was going to get out of this if I didn't look on it with the eyes of God. And, like, it was really about faith. It was really God testing me and being like, how much further, you know, will you go for me? And um, so even with that, um, I feel like there's so many, like, I'm even like coming into this testimony, like, I felt like there's so many moments where God was saying, like, this is not just your story. It really isn't. And that's what I was like telling you guys from the beginning, right? Everything that I say, like every breakthrough that I've just spoken to you guys about, it's not just mine, it's yours. And um, I even want you to, I want to exhort you guys and encourage you guys to know that there's so much power in claiming someone else's testimony. And um, I remember at the time when I was going through all this stuff, I remember the entire time, the biggest question that I was asking God the entire time was, why would you do this to me? Like, God, why am I going through this? And um, I was like, there's no possible good thing that could come out of me, um, you know, going through all this stuff that I dealt with, with guys, you know, like my worth, like, how am I supposed to get out of this? And like, I would not blame God, but kind of blame him when I was like, God, why, 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 why? And it was just always about me. And I remember, um, pastor John Michael, when he came, uh, he had, he got to pray for me and it was really, really simple. And I told him, I was like, um, kind of suffering from like this whole situation with that guy. And I remember something that he told me was, um, he was praying and he was like, you're going to, you're going to actually be able to heal many girls who go through the same situation as you do. And, um, at that time I was like, no, I'm not, there's no way that I'm going to actually like, I cannot do this. I'm walking on my own healing. I, I'm going to take myself with me only. And there's no way that this is ever going to happen. Like I was so like in a place of darkness that there's no way. But I remember when he said that, I was like, um, okay, you know, and it didn't honestly come back to me until maybe last year. And so I remember sharing this testimony to my family last semester. And I know Chris and Young were in it. And um, after I shared that testimony, uh, there was a girl that was in my testi- uh, that was in my familia. She inboxes me. And during the time when I was sharing it, I remember, like, it seemed like she was so disinterested. She was like, whatever. You know, she didn't really um, take it in. But she inboxes me on Facebook. And she's like, um, I, I can totally relate to what you went through. Like, I don't know what this soul tie thing is about, but I think I have it. And I want to be set free like the way how you're set free. And so 
when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like God totally blew me away. And um, even what God was saying through John Michael, Pastor John Michael at the time, it was all coming to pass. And so I remember talking to her, I met one-on-one with her and um, I can say all this like, you know, because she did testify, but just, I remember doing one-on-one with her and I was like, you're going to get healed this semester. You really are. And um, I remember before the Emmaus retreat last year, God specifically told me that um, I was going to lead her through the session during one of the altar calls at the retreat. And so I don't even know what the altar calls were going to look like, but one of them ended up being healing. So she comes straight to me and she's like, you already know. And so we started, I just started praying. I was like, going through all these steps, um, you know, confess, repent it, renounce it, then bless yourself. And then literally she's like, I feel so different. She felt incredibly light that week following after the retreat, she said that she looked in a, like at the world in a totally different perspective than she ever thought. Everything was like, she said she was singing without even knowing it. And it's just crazy. Like when you know this girl and like, you would think that she would be able to do these things. And at the very end of the semester, she testifies this at the banquet at the Mayus banquet. And I'm um, really guys, testimonies are future prof- for prophecies for future testimonies. And like, whatever I'm saying, it's not just my story, but it's, it's yours too. You know? And like, that's, and really, I just feel like there's so many times where, um, in your lives, there have been many voices that have been in your heart and many voices that have been spoken over you. Um, good, bad ones, but also good ones. And I feel like there are people that have spoken identities over you, which you weren't really familiar about. And so like, you know, you're full of worth, like you are beautiful, you're adequate, you're bold, you're bold as a lion, things like that. But I'm telling you, no matter how many times people say it about you or how many times you may claim it over yourself, it does, it all changes when you hear from the right voice. It all changes when you hear from the voice of God or from the voice of a spiritual mentor. And I remember there are many times like last semester where like there are things that people say constantly about me, like, oh, like maybe for instance, um, like you can lead prayer, like you're a good prayer warrior. You can, you lead prayer really well. Everyone say that. I'm like, okay, okay. That's, that's great. That's great. That's great. I remember like there was like one time where pastor Aaron complimented me on like a congregational prayer and like everyone said it that day. But then the moment she said it to me, something broke. And I was like, oh my gosh, I prayed an amazing prayer. Like something <laughs> happens. Seriously, something happens when the, when the voice that you're supposed to hear it from actually speaks to you and you actually take it in and like there, that's how your lives should look like, you know, when God speaks to you, how many times you walk out of your prayer times can being completely changed in a different person. I remember when I was being discipled by pastor Aaron, like we did one-on-ones last, last year. Um, I don't know how she did it with nine people with eight people every single time. I can honestly say I walked out as a totally different person. The things that I was carrying and I was bringing into that meeting, um, I would walk out, um, texting people, like writing down like words that she said, and I'll walk out as a completely changed person. And I'm saying, how many times do you feel that way with God? You know, are you just bringing stuff in and then taking the same stuff back out? Or are you like take, bringing stuff in and then laying it down and then knowing that that actually has no name? Like that actually doesn't have your name on it at all. You know, and there's so many things I feel like God wants to uproot from your lives. So many places in your life where you have maybe not even spoken to anyone about. Maybe your situation is like mine where you've had relationships, deep ones, um, not just with people like that you're dating with, but people that are who are your friends. But I just feel like maybe there are many times where you felt so under bondage by the things that they said about you. And like out of habit, like you start acting out of the way that they have called you, you know, like whatever they say about you. But I feel like I really believe that God wants to set you guys free. And I really believe that 
as you hear this story, I don't want you guys to think that I'm talking about a totally different God than you see and the totally different God that you serve. But I want you to know that we are serving the same God, that we're under the same house, that we're under the same voice, that the voice that I heard that told me to come to Korea, that told me that I was set free is the same voice that you can also hear during your quiet times as well. That's the same voice that God can use your friend to speak whatever he wants to say to you through that person. And that's what I mean. When I led prayer two weeks ago, I really meant it, that we carry each other break, other's breakthroughs. And that my breakthrough is your breakthrough, that my story is your story. And that it's not even a story. It's like a testimony. Like you're really testifying like what God does in your life. And um, I really want you guys to believe that there is good news out there. That you're not, there are some things in your life and your personality, your character maybe, that you guys hold on to, um, where you guys may have questioned, why am I like this? You know, why am I going through stuff like this? I want you to know that you're questioning it because you're not even supposed to be like that kind of person. There have been many times in my life where I'm like, why am I like this? Why am I so timid? Why am I so insecure? And now God's like restored me from that. And I'm speaking here before you today. I'm leading prayer meetings on Emmaus. You know, that is that kind of God, the God of restoration. And I want you guys to know that God can set you guys free as well. And um, I really encourage you guys. It's not going to just be a time that's going to take forever. Like, who knows? I really encourage you to even speak to your familiar member, to speak to, like, a leader, or to even speak to a friend. But I really do believe that there are areas in your life where God wants to totally uproot and to plant different foundations, like, different voices, like, different places of worth, you know, in your life. You guys can change once you guys are completely delivered and healed. I hope you guys know that. There are people whose personalities change completely the moment that they are healed from a certain thing that they needed to be healed with. You know, like for me, I was never this bold, um, in my entire life. I used to like literally, uh, just be terrified of like presentations at school. I would never speak clearly. I would always mumble. My mom would always tell me I mumbled a lot. Um, But all this stuff, it happened because of what God did in my life. It happened because God told me I had a voice. And it happened because God told me I was set free from those things. And it told me that, yeah, it's just, it's what God told me. Everything that God told me. And it's not, there's a difference between God telling you something and just hearing it. But God telling you something and you claiming it that that is part of your identity. And I want you guys to know that the things that God will speak to you from here on out this semester and when you go home are the things that you need to claim and know that this is part of who you are. And that you will find oftentimes the things that God tells you, that the voice of God, everything that he tells you, it will knock off false identities like just like that. The moment you claim something that God has told you about, who you are as a person, it'll, it's like a bowling pin. Like it'll just knock off all these things that you have dealt with. It's not even things that you might even have to confess out of your mouth. It's things that the more you're just in one with, in oneness with God, that he will just eventually, before you even know it, you'll realize that you're a, t- a changed person. Like you're a totally different person, you know? And I, so I want you to know that whatever issues, whatever struggles you're going through, it is bigger than you. It's bigger than who you are. And Seriously, like how I told you, like me questioning, like why I went through these things, it was bigger than me. Obviously, I'm speaking here before you guys today, and I never thought three years later I'd be doing this, but yeah, it's bigger than me. And um, I want you guys to know that these struggles, just as much as there are like amazing words that God gives to you that are bigger than you, like your struggles too, they're bigger than you. And your struggles, like they're meant to break not only you free, but everyone else free as well. And so I want to end you with this. Um, this is a Bible verse that God put on my heart, but it comes to 2 Timothy 4, 7, and it says, I fought the good fight and I finished the race uh, because I've kept the faith. And really, it's about believing in what God says about you. It's really about having faith, too, and like what, what God says. All right, so let's close in prayer.
Yeah, God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for um, for every word, for everything that just went out today, God. God, we just thank you so much, Lord God, that these words, these analogies, these anecdotes, like these things that I've been talking about, like that I just spoke about in my life, Lord God, that they're just not for me, but they're for everyone else as well, God. So I just thank you so much, Lord God, that the spirit of freedom is in Emmaus, God. I thank you so much, Lord God, that this is a, it's a contagious bomb, Lord God, that not only bombs me, but everyone else as well. That there's a chain reaction going on in the spirit, in the spiritual realm of Emmaus, Lord God, where one person's breakthrough will be everyone else's. And that if one person shares their vulnerability and what goes on in the familia, that'll set everyone else free in that familia as well, God. And God, we just thank you, Lord God, that these people standing here before me, Lord God, that they are free people, that we are set free, that we're not meant to be uh, under bondage and under, under the words of people, Lord God, but under the words of you. So we thank you, Lord God. We put you back up into the highest place. We thank you, Lord God, that your voice is the only voice that we will serve, that you're only, only God that will be standing upon our lives, Lord God. So we just cast all of the false idols off of our lives in the name of Jesus. So we just thank you so much, Lord. I just thank you, God, for just setting people free tonight. So we just pray all these things in your name. Amen.